Hello, Secret Keepers. There ain't no good guys. There's only bad guys. Which leaves you and me in this murder fantasy. Is there no ethical war under space colonization? Is there overlapping tools used to paint 40k figures and customize magic cards? And will the Kyles of the world ever grow up? We have Coral Bacon on today to answer these questions of lore, crafts, and dude bro psychology. That and so much more on today's episode of the Megamoth Studios Super Secret Podcast. Don't tell anybody about it. Welcome back to the show, Secret Keepers. I'm your host, colonial American sex educator, Joel Watts, joined as always by... Danny, the world's worst fact checker. And today we are joined by Emmy, who you may know as Coral Bacon on TikTok. How are you doing today, Emmy? I am doing great. I am so excited to be here. Excellent. We're super We're excited, excited to have you. Have you. Oh, yeah. Awesome. The super, the super secret podcast is super excited to have Emmy on. Hell yeah. In today's episode, we are going to be getting into exploring game lore for TikTok videos, as well as a check-in on Elder Dragon Highlander. But before we get into those topics, as always, we got the question of the week. Emmy, Danny, are you ready for the question of the week? I am ready for the question of the week. As ready Danny. as I can be. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, Danny, I believe you suggested this one, so I do want to give you a shout out because it's one that we haven't done before, and it seems super like the back pocket one that we should always ask people if they're they have a magic background. So, if you were a magic card, which one would you be, and why? Danny, do you want you suggested the question? Do you want to take the first answer? Sure. Why not? Um, you know, I feel like in my heart of hearts, like I really wish I could say Thrag Tusk or something like that because I feel like Thrag Tusk is good value creature and. Uh, you know, like everyone's happy to have a Thrag Tusk. No one feels like it's like overly frustrating for someone to cast one. I mean, I guess maybe in certain circumstances, but that's like mostly limited, right? But honestly, I mean, I'm I'm Snapcaster Mage. I, I just, you know, I need I need to have access to my instants and sorceries, and I want to I want to have a toolbox at my disposal. So, yeah, Snappy for me. Ah, the Snappy boy. <laughs> yep. Yep. Right. What about uh, you, Emmy? Where, where, what's your uh, your card of uh, identity? I would say my Magic the Gathering card would have to be Emrakul the Aeon's Torn. Oh, oh God. Um, <laughs> wow. Arguably the most powerful Magic card ever printed. Uh, basically mm -hmm. says for 12 mana, you win the game. Um, yes. That appeals to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Emrakul as a character is so powerful that they had to trap her in the moon to get rid of her and same with Wizards of the Coast they had to ban Emrakul in every format to get rid of her so it is very <laughs> hard to moon. get rid of me <laughs> once I'm in your life <laughs> and once you follow uh, on TikTok she's going to be rid there of me, constantly I will be there I will just <laughs> keep posting no matter what so yes emrakul the aeon I, I 
I feel for the people of Innistrad because trapping Immercool in your moon is going to real. You're just going to be in perpetual retrograde astrologically. Mm -hmm. I think for the rest of eternity, it's the sacrifice you make. You're you're just never going to get your stuff together as a people of Innistrad. But I do agree. Like I remember when Immercool first came out, and it was just like that. Most decks were just now Immercool decks. That was like the win condition. Any deck that is win condition was cheating out a big creature. Well, just replace whatever big creature that is with Immercool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, or Gristlebrand. I mean, sometimes Gristle you want Gristlebrand was intense. I remember Gristlebrand summer. That was nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Drawing yeah. seven cards is a nice feeling. So, you know. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I think I the almost... most powerful phrase in Magic the Gathering is draw a card. So yeah. mm -hmm. this is a very good thing to me. So yeah, draw a card times seven. Now, yeah. uh, I was actually like, yeah, Gristlebrand was a, uh, a really, a card I had my eyes on for a little bit because I really considered buying myself into Legacy in getting a, uh, what is it called, reanimator deck which I compared oh. to when I told, when I was like conceptualizing it, it's like bringing a musket to a sword fight. It's like, if you aim it, yes. if you aim your your gun correctly and shoot truly, you win. But if you miss, you're going to be probably stabbed to death while reloading. No, that's exactly how legacy is. Sometimes there's decks where you just have to mulligan into your winning combo. And if you can't get it and you keep mulling down to like maybe four or something, Sometimes you just turn one scoop because you know you can't mm. get there before somebody yeah. else does. It's a fast format. Well, it is it a is. fast I mean, format, and it is a ruthless I, format. I, I, yeah. Not, what would be the noble format of Magic? In X Seekers the, of Fortune, we have Ruthless, and we have Noble. I noble. guess block, block Constructed. Block Constructed, yeah. Yeah. yeah I pretty would much say that's the Noble format. Fair. I always thought and, yeah. Block Constructed didn't get its it's uh it got short shift uh all things considered yeah commander i could see that well commander is like yeah. goofy like that's the jester format <laughs> commander is the jester format but i mm -hmm. i th think if we're coming back to ravnica i see selesnia as the nobles mm -hmm. and i see uh rakdos as the ruthless yeah, yeah. rakdos is definitely ruthless and i think um, everything else is somewhere on that spectrum a hundred percent yeah mm -hmm. Because, like, uh, Azorius has some ruthless tendencies. Oh, yeah. As, or mean, Jov. Mm-hmm. And then Gruul has definitely got its ruthless. Uh, <laughs> they're just Gruul's smashing ruthless. around. Demir yeah. is so ruthless. Oh, yeah. hundred mm percent. -hmm. I don't think they think that they're the good guys. Yeah. You know? Could you argue that Demir is more ruthless than Rakdos? Because Rakdos is kind of, like, just there for the plot, it feels like. Like, they're just... Are they... I think the cult of Rakdos is there to make, like, the demise of others a spectacle, whereas mm -hmm. Demir is trying to kind of, like, keep it at least hush-hush. Uh, okay. Whereas, you know, Rakdos, they're there, and they're on stage, <laughs> just, as we say on TikTok, unaliving people. <laughs> and it's theater, you know? So I, I think of Rakdos as the most ruthless of all the guilds. Okay, I'm by it. Um, we kind of got a little bit off topic there, but that's all. That's all good and fine. I think I still have to answer the question yes, before you do. we can move on. Um, oh yeah. Now, Danny, I really respect you. Stabcaster Mage, one of the best cards in Magic, and I definitely see you as that because you always pull a trick up your sleeve, like something I wasn't expecting that I should have been. It's almost like you know, I think Stabcaster Mage is the ultimate like 
you know, foreshadowing kind of card. Because whatever card you get hit with it was already in the graveyard. So you already experienced it once. Or you tried to get mm-hmm. rid of it once. So I love I love Snapcaster Mage. That's a really good one. Now, it's funny. I didn't think creatures. Like, you both chose a creature. And I went instantly to spells. Because I was thinking about what spell would I cast. And so the Edgelord inside of me was thinking, oh, disenchant of course because i will disenchant you of all your illusions to the mysteries of the world with hard science and a lack of imagination just like any good ledge lord yeah. but i'm not really an edge i'm the day to day says hard disagree i don't know you have matching braces with your shirt <laughs> that's just a style lord i'm just stylish uh, i but think you can date- be a stylish and an edge lord yeah. I, yeah, there you go. I mean, if you have a very specific style, I mean, <laughs> but I do, granted, yes, I do tend to favor black, but it's not because of my, uh, you know, being a goth or anything like that. It's simply because I'm a messy, messy man and anything lower grade, you know, anything lighter than black, I'm probably going to mess up within a few times of wearing. It's um, literally the reason the Mega Moth color scheme is black. Is yeah, black and white. You and yes. I will not want to wear non-black. I yeah. feel the same way, though. If I'm buying a shirt or something or buying stickers, I prefer that black and white palette. It's so mm-hmm. nice. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's clean and it pretty much goes with everything else. So you can like, you can, uh, you know, interchange it pretty easily. Now, mm-hmm. uh, like I said, day-to-day Joel, non-edge Lord Joel. I was thinking Sylvan Library. Because I am willing to sacrifice some of my time or life to find more options during most any serious consideration. So it kind of like came to me really quickly. And I thought, well, if it's the first card I thought of, my subconscious must know something I don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a good choice for you, I think. Mm-hmm. I agree. I feel like oftentimes when we're deliberating things, you just have to see an option or two before you can feel good about a choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm like the ultimate. If you just show me one option and you think that's going to be like, oh, aren't, aren't you impressed with this? It's like, well, I'd be more impressed with it if I could contrast it with uh, another option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the, the hack is to bring Joel two terrible options with one option you want him to buy. And then... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think show, some of our you know, vendors have picked up on that. <laughs> I think so. I mean, uh, it's like what they say. Like, I always heard that in filmmaking. It's like when you're in a de- department head who's presenting things to the director, you show them what you really want to go with, what you think is the right decision, and then two decisions that are, like, lackluster. And that way the director feels like they made a decision, even though most, like, 90% of the time they're going to choose the one that you wanted them to choose. It's a psychological hack. I feel very hacked right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's we, good. I'm going to start implementing that in my life. I like yeah, corporate I, psychology. I highly recommend man. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ever dreamed of embarking on legendary quests, unlocking hidden secrets, and discovering untold riches? Dive into the world of X Seekers of Fortune. It's the game that's soon to be taking the internet by storm. Sign up today at xseekersoffortune.com and start your journey to greatness. Remember, fortune favors the bold. See you there. So, Emmy, we should probably dig yes. into today's topic, which is all things that interest you. Oh, so, okay. Wow. Yeah, I know. I what it's like we we <laughs> what a world created we the in. show around you. <laughs> wow. That's why, why do you think people love being guests on the show? 
Um, so, sure. I mean, I always love to get uh, the conversation started. You know, we want to get to know you, the audience. They might not have um, seen you on TikTok before. So I like to get started with the idea of the origin story. So I think the first and foremost when it comes to gamer, gamer origin stories is, did you grow up in a gaming household? No, and it's a good mm -hmm. story. So oh, good. growing up, I grew up in the sort of family that, you know, you wake up every morning and you do a couple of hours of mathematics before you go to school. And then uh -huh. you would just continue to, you know, I was in a big like academic achievement household and we just push, push, push for all that, all things math. I Presbyterian? never had, uh, no, just kind of that, the, I don't uh, know, tiger parenting, I guess. Tiger parenting. Okay. Cool. Tiger parenting. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, I have never owned a game console in my entire life. Wow. And at this wow. point, I feel like it's just too inaccessible. And so I got into gaming like the old school analog tabletop way. So I picked up Magic the Gathering and the Pokemon TCG when I was a kid. I started playing Magic competitively when I was a teenager. Like, I played standard all the way from, like, Lorwyn Block very seriously. Probably the first time I took a break was in, like, Khans Block, like, Khans of Tarkir Block. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And then during the pandemic, my lockdown hobby turned into, a, into Warhammer painting um, just because... Like the week before the lockdown, I went to mm -hmm. a intro paint class at my local game store because a friend of mine was like, hey, you should come learn how to paint minis. And then we all had to like shut down for weeks. And I was like, you know what? I have some paintbrushes and I have these little green goblin guys. I might as well just keep doing this. And, mm -hmm. um, and then at some point I was like, you know what, just taking pictures of little plastic men and putting them on my Instagram just isn't hitting right anymore. And I feel like I need to start doing video content in order to really capture like what these look like from all angles. And my TikTok just started off as me like taking my fingers and just rotating the minis around so you could see a 360 of what I painted. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then I was like, you know what? After I had spent some time like watching TikTok videos, I was like, oh, I could like have a personality and throw some jokes in there because I had been doing at that point stand up comedy for about five years or so. Oh, and wow. I, like, I did not know, know that what? about you. Yes, that is my other thing that I do. Um, and at that point, right, lockdown, the bar and the club scene, there's mm -hmm. just no more venues for stand up. So I was like, I'm going to start taking my little bits and making them real specific about nerdy shit and mm -hmm. that's how the whole thing started wow wow well, i that, feel like I... we have a, running the risk here of getting derailed into asking a bunch of questions about stand-up because i think folks <laughs> yes. and I are extremely interested in stand-up okay. so. <laughs> yeah I, wow. I guess my one question is have you th considered having a set ready for like if you were to do like i guess the convention circuit if you will like go to the conventions and be like a stand-up for the crowd like warm them up before like a uh, keynote or something like that oh my god that would be my dream come true if that was a mm -hmm. thing um because i remember doing a lot of like really specific sets about 
Um, I love playing old school RuneScape. It's like an MMO. And mm -hmm. I did a whole set at a comedy club that one guy was laughing his ass off the entire time because he got my like max level wizard jokes. Um, <laughs> and everyone else in the audience was like, what is, what is this? What yeah. is happening? So yeah. if I did get to do like very specific stand-up bits about Warhammer 40k, magic, gaming, etc. at like a con before, you know, if I got to open for Mark Rosewater, I would just simply die. That would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Butter up the yeah. audience. I mean, I think those speakers would really enjoy that, like having that in front of them. Well, maybe they might be a little intimidated if you really went over the crowd, but you know, it's, it's, there's, there's warming up the crowd is very important. And I think, you know, I getting think everybody it is. aligned. I yeah. think it's absolutely the most, and the, that's the thing, right? Is people are like, you know what? I want to hear jokes and I want you to make my favorite games funny. And that's like a full circle thing for them. When I do those lore videos, I'm like, you know, there's 10 million other lore creators out there, but I'm like, how do I make it funny? And how do I make it accessible and entertaining, but also educational? And uh, I'm, I'm working on it. But I think I have yeah. a formula. I think okay. you do. It's working pretty well. I Thank enjoy you. watching your videos, regardless of what you're talking about. They're always done. There's a lot of care put into them, and they're always entertaining. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely well, there for since, it. Since we're on this topic, we might as well say, you know, on TikTok, where would they find you so they can see these videos for themselves if they're watching at home? At coral, like the uh, animal, and pecan, like the the nut. Mm -hmm. I have to ask you, where did, where did you get coral pecan from or pecan? Or... Oh my God, I'm so glad you asked. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so coral pecan is, was my Twitter handle back in the day. I have since deleted this Twitter. I had a parasocial relationship with a public library and nobody needs to see these tweets. <laughs> um, but I came up with coral pecan because I saw all of these celebrities with their Ben and Jerry's flavor. And to me, to like early 20s age Emmy, having your own flavor of Ben and Jerry's ice cream was like the ultimate, like I've made it indicator uh -huh. to me. And yeah. at the time I was in college and my undergrad is in invertebrate paleontology. So I was studying corals. So I was like, why not have corals but pecan, so it's like a play on caramel pecan ice cream. And so mm -hmm. if I ever got a Ben and Jerry's flavor, it would be called coral pecan. And that, you know, my branding and who I am has changed so much since that time. But coral pecan is a cute little fun handle and it's always been my socials. It's like now something that I, I really want to see that come to fruition. And like, yeah. I don't oh know about God. Ben and Jerry's, but someone has to make the, uh, the coral, the pecan, coral pecan ice cream. Ice cream. How would you do yes. it? What would be the stand in for coral? Cause I'm pretty it's sure legal. it would be illegal to eat coral. Right. Or can I you think eat a coral? salted caramel ribbon, you know, because it was always supposed to be a play on the, the, the caramel pecan ice cream flavor. So mm -hmm. like uh -huh. ribbons of sea salt caramel with mm. candied pecans in it probably with like a french vanilla base is how i would do it and someday i'll have a pop-up and it'll be gelato in a little cart somewhere mm. at a con you can, and that'll yeah. be my meet and greet 
<laughs> that would be so awesome. And you could totally make, you know, small batch this, this idea pretty yes. well. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, that's, but I really do hope that you uh, succeed in shooting the moon and getting your ice cream mass produced uh, through one of the companies. Uh, that would be so awesome. We all have to have our shoot the moons. Mine is testifying in front of Congress. Yours is okay. getting your own ice cream flavor. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are King. not the same. <laughs> interviewed about why uh, Joel's in a solitary confinement somewhere. I feel like that would be. Nah, I'll, I'll get, I'll get one of those minimum security prisons. I'm sure if I, if, if at all, I'm going to get the best lawyers. Trust me. I feel all like right. you'd end up at a black site for some reason. <laughs> well, Hey, then. And, Why are we getting I mean, arrested? In that case, I become a legend. I, I move from being, you know, successful to being a full-blown legend. Um, we've covered a lot of the topics that I was... It, just in those first two questions, we've covered a lot of the questions I was going to ask. So let me just go back here and double back on... Well, what was... What I wanted to ask was, what was your first favorite game? If you had one My before Magic first? and Warhammer. Yes, it would be the Pokemon TCG. Like, oh. you know, I was a 90s kid. And, mm -hmm. of course, the hottest game in the oh, 90s okay. was Pokemon. Um, you know, I never got to have things like a Game Boy or a console. So I didn't have the, the fun little pocket monsters. But I did have the cards. And I feel like a lot of kids just collected them because they wanted a shiny Charizard. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. I learned the game. Yeah, guilty. <laughs> I played the game and even up until like the last five years or so when I was like, you know what, I need to hardcore get back into magic because I am the oldest person at these Pokemon events by like two decades. You know, it doesn't feel good to beat fifth graders. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure about that? Because I mean, they need, oh, yeah, to, they need to understand that the game is much more complicated and there's a lot more decisions to be made. No. Yeah, exactly. Normalize you know, adult Pokemon leagues. That's what I say. I think we should. I think we should, though, uh, separate the adults from the children because honestly, my Nitto King GX deck was very tuned, very meta, kicks ass. Um, <laughs> but it did not feel good, you know, uh, kicking the ass of fifth graders. It just it, it felt wrong. I'm but sure very I, much like Magic yeah. the Gathering when you're playing Pokemon at that level against somebody with that little experience. They think they just perceive what you're doing and all they can think is like, is this person cheating? Like, what? what? Yes. <laughs> I remember exactly. when I learned to play Magic, like really play Magic for the first time. Um, you know, I, I had been playing for a while and then we sat down and played with our friends, Pat and Ian, and they understood the stack much better than anyone I had ever played with up to that point. And when they would explain to me their lines of play, I'd be like, what do you, I don't even understand. Like, I don't know what, what's happening anymore. I feel like you guys are cheating. And so like, it took a while playing with them to get up to that level where I understood the stack well enough to actually be able to be like, okay, this is well within the rules. But yeah, like if you play with someone and, and you don't understand the stack and they do, you're gonna feel like they're just cheating. Like, mm -hmm. oh, absolutely. there's so much nuance. Yeah, <laughs> and sure I play Pokemon through that lens of like I play Magic, and at this speed, this is when I'm gonna do this card draw, and you know, and I really kind of spend a lot of time thoughtfully constructing my deck, and then mm. you come up against you know Timmy, who's like, I think Mewtwo is cool, mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, 
it's not good. And um, yeah, I just, I felt at that point like, okay, it's time to grow up. It's time to start playing magic like an adult. You gotta girl boss your way through this and you gotta mm -hmm. stop kicking first graders' asses. So, yeah. You can only pick low-hanging fruit for so long. it's a good gateway. It's a really good gateway into magic. If kids like Pokemon and then, you know, you need a little bit more of an adult challenge, I recommend the Magic the Gathering game. So in Magic the Gathering, like Danny just said, when you when it looks like you're cheating to a newcomer, it's because you're you're, you're utilizing the stack and priority in ways that they don't perceive as being, um, mm -hmm. you know, like they, they just haven't even thought that far ahead. They're like at a lower level of thinking about the game. What does it look like when you're like look like when you're playing within the rules, but it looks like you're cheating to an outsider? What does that look like in Pokemon? Is that just like drawing through your like half your deck in a single turn or what? I think the most powerful, I guess at the time that I was playing Pokemon, mm -hmm. I would say the most powerful Pokemon were the ones that not only could attack your other opponent's active Pokemon, because it's supposed mm -hmm. to be kind of like, just like the gym matches in the games, like it's a 1v1, and then you go through your team of six Pokemon slowly until you knock out your whole opponent's team. But there mm -hmm. are Pokemon that can attack your opponent's benched Pokemon, and Ooh. if you can do some kind of like mass damage effects on their bench stuff, um, that can feel really cheaty to a Pokemon player who's just picked their favorite because they're pink. Mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. it okay. it can make it's bad salty feelings. And yeah, to get back to that point about what feels like cheating in Magic the Gathering, to me, mm -hmm. um, that would be anything that affects the randomness of the game. Is I feel like what feels like cheating to somebody who's not super initiated. So if you're tutoring for cards, if you're being, if you have the ability to search your library, and if you have the ability to draw more cards beyond your draw step. To me, that's mm -hmm. the stuff that feels a little bit illegal. And yeah. like when I got back into it, I was like, this is, I can't hang. But then I figured out like, oh, Demonic Tutor's a really good card. I should probably <laughs> run that. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I feel like, like this is, EDH. I feel like this question is, is maybe a little out of place, but I, I can't get it out of my brain. Can you okay. just elaborate a little bit on what you mean by parasocial relationship with a library? Like, <laughs> what exactly happened there? <laughs> okay. So back in the day when Twitter was a wild and lawless place yeah. um, mm -hmm. in university, our university had a Twitter account for the campus library. Mm -hmm. And um, this is so uh, so the the Go library on. would tweet and it would be like, today we're offering hot chocolate downstairs on floor one. Or I think about Karl Marx a lot, you know, normal things a campus library would tweet about. Mm -hmm. But then I would tweet back and me and whoever was running the library account would just very publicly flirt with each other. But this was also me. <laughs> having a relationship with a building and yes. <laughs> it's just so embarrassing is there a so word we were... for that there's a word for almost everything there must be a word for that should we google what? it having a parasocial relationship with a campus building 
Well, th- with with a building, I think, like you know, just the idea of like, I'm, sh- yeah. I mean, if people, well, can be I think I've seen an episode of TLC's My Strange Addiction about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm woman having sure. a relationship with a Ferris wheel. I think. I think that was the subject of it. In I remember that one. That it's so good. So good, and uh, she was very complimentary of that Ferris wheel. Oh yeah, <laughs> they were engaged. Like it was very serious. Um, yeah. For, uh, is, is it possible for us to... Do, do, what, what is the name of this building? Can we see a picture oh. of it? Uh, it is oh God, the Montana State University Campus Library. I do not remember at this moment the exact name of this building, but it is the Campus Library at Montana State University. Awesome. Go Bobcats. Well- <laughs> Uh well uh maybe we can maybe we can plug a picture in uh I'm the, sure yeah. Will can find us a nice picture of this building. Yeah. We expect it will. <laughs> yes. That I mean, hey, that's that's all in good fun. I guess that's like one of those good fun things though that it, it, like at a certain point when you get really deep into it you like have that moment where your brain steps back and you're just like, What am I doing? What am I putting out there? I'm yes. sure. So Yes. That that actually does lead me to another question because you obviously you said you were into Twitter in the Wild West days of Twitter, which I unfortunately I I, I signed up for the app and then never used it, um, mm-hmm. but I still think I have my handle. Um, what is, uh, what is like I guess what is your social media journey? Because I I assume like very much oh. like Danny, I think Danny did a build up to finally like landing in TikTok and realizing that TikTok is where mm-hmm. he wanted to be. I myself like feel like. You know, I want to get more into it and do my own independent videos here soon. So hold me to that audience. But, you know, YouTube has always been like the thing that I thought was like the ideal social media. What led you like what was your progression from, I guess, Twitter to TikTok? Okay, so Mm -hmm. Twitter, um, truly, that was just the unedited and unfiltered thoughts of a 20 year old edgelord. But at one point, I guess I got really into YouTube. I got sucked into the world of watching makeup tutorials all day, every Mm -hmm. day. And for a while, I was like, you know what? I love makeup. And I think I'd be a really good, like, beauty influencer. And so Mm -hmm. I would post some videos on YouTube. But I think what really... Uh, didn't click was the fact that I did not have like much in the way of equipment and I didn't really have the ability to edit those videos or make the high quality images Mm -hmm. and the high quality video that these beauty youtubers did and so you know these were just crappy videos that were shot on like an iPhone 8 and so there wasn't much traction there because this was of course at the time that and production quality is just insane on YouTube yeah. in order to oh, have yeah. traction. You have to have mm-hmm. like beautifully shot, edited, well-lit, studio lighting, 4K, a dedicated editor. And I just, I could not DIY this. So, mm-hmm. Well, especially with something so me, aesthetic, because there's YouTubers mm-hmm. I know who got set up with a very similar setup to you. But the difference being is they were just talking, like the, the, the talking was the important part. You could practically turn off the video and just listen to them. But with makeup exactly. tutorials, I'm sure that that's a different, you know, you need the ring light, you need the right lens on the right kind of camera mm-hmm. body, you know, all that jazz. So I get that. 
Exactly. And I just did not ever have the money or the spare mm -hmm. time to really mm -hmm. throw myself into being a beauty YouTuber. But then I discovered TikTok where everything just looks like it's being shot on a phone in a, somebody's living room because it is. Mm -hmm. And that's how it started for me is I just shot things on my phone in my living room and I still do that but now there's like ring lights and um much more advanced knowledge of how the editing in the app works and all the effects and things so I just feel like you know to start on TikTok you have to have a good idea and you have to be compelling and I feel like the production quality can come later Whereas mm -hmm. on YouTube, for example, I think the production quality has to come first. Mm -hmm. um, but at TikTok, I, I feel like it's it's easier. It's more accessible to get in. Um, you just have to have an idea. And what's that album? Uh, Parliament Fungadelics. It's called Free Your Mind and Your Ass Will Follow. It's the same thing. You just have to have <laughs> a concept and the production oh. quality will follow. Yeah. That's yeah, the principle I, yeah. of TikTok. That tracks for me. I feel yeah. like, you know, and, and I think this is an important lesson to anyone out there who's aspiring to make content, which is if you want to make content, particularly on TikTok, don't worry about making great content. Just start making content and mm -hmm. start communicating out there because you're never going to make great content if you're not willing to make bad content. And you have yeah. to be willing to just start. And, um, it may take you a little while to get where you want to go, but mm -hmm. making content of any kind and just putting in the reps and, and, and iterating yes. is how you get to where you think you want to go. Yes, absolutely. I would completely agree with that. The first time I went viral, it was completely on accident. <laughs> I chose a song in a video that happened to be trending on TikTok. And then I think people thought the paint job was pretty cool too. But at that point, I was like, oh, my God, I have 500 people following me on an <laughs> Internet application. I'm going yeah. to do this again. <laughs> and then I realized, like, OK, I have to post something daily in order to kind of be active for the algorithm to pick this up. That means that they can't all be winners, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I was just like, even if it's like a five second update about something I'm working on. As long as it kind of like goes along with the core principle of we make nerdy little art projects, I can post whatever the hell I want. And, you know, there are people who are going to like and support and follow no matter what it is. Mm -hmm. And they're going to like you. And when it hits the For You page, that's awesome. That's great. But you just have to keep putting things out because you don't know who's going to vibe with it. Mm -hmm. what, what would you say, um, as far as your, like, your follower acquisition, has it been just like steadily over time? Or is it like there's been a few big bursts based on like videos that have performed really well? What has that been like for you, building your audience? I would say that it's been kind of like it's been a gradual and steady over time when you're as niche as I am. Um, there aren't too many things that hit the mainstream. However, the year that I created those pride flag miniatures for pride month, and then mm -hmm. I started using the pride hashtags, mm -hmm. um, they 
blew up. And every mm. single time I post those pride flag miniatures, they absolutely blow up. People love them. Um, and Kyle, the Kyle, the Kyle <laughs> character, people love him. And every time I do it, it's, you know, I definitely couldn't churn out an episode every day. But I would try, I try to get like one to two of those up a month. And people love it. They just eat it up. So those are the bursts that I get. Um mm -hmm. And then the rest of the time, it's just like, hey, here's a silly little thing. And this resonates with an extremely weird niche-specific corner of the internet, but they love it. So, yeah. Well, one thing I've heard, which I love your take on, is you don't want to, if you're in a niche, you don't want to go, like, mainstream viral. Because if you do, you'll get a bunch of people maybe following you who don't actually care about your content generally. And then that'll teach the algorithm that your followers don't actually like. Is that true from your 100%. research? Yeah. Like yeah. there's times that I think like, okay, I could just make a joke about something that happened today at Target. But then, you know, these types of observations that's so out of the norm for my content and people would follow and then they would go, oh, this girl posts about like Magic the Gathering mechanics and weird Gross. lore Fake. factoids from, you know, a <laughs> tabletop game. Like they'd just be like, what the hell is this? So I just, I don't do it. Someday mm -hmm. I'll start like a secret spam account where I just post yeah. whatever the hell I want. But mm. uh, I think I'm doing well in my niche and I don't really have that desire to really have a mainstream following. A hundred percent. Any plans for Kyle merch? Kyle merch. Um, oh, I could, yes. see the, I could see the characterization. Like you should get an illustrator to draw your, your, the Kyle character. I think Drew might at some point draw the Kyle character, but yeah. in the videos, Kyle has his own sort of, he's sort of this little, uh, entrepreneur and I'm putting that in huge quotation marks he makes these we, we all know very <laughs> he makes these very bad lackluster sort of like deck boxes sleeves and gaming supplies that he mm -hmm. calls Kyle's customs um <laughs> with a k customs with a k, a k. yes yeah. and NSFW, so sure. uh they're not NSFW they're just really bad oh, so okay. he'll just take a piece of paper and like tape it over where it says dragon shield on some card sleeves and write like <laughs> homerids or something. Or like one time there was that IHOP collab that Magic the Gathering did and oh. Kyle just drew some pancakes on some sleeves. Like you guys missed the merch. You missed the IHOP collab. Don't worry. Kyle's got the pancake sleeves. <laughs> oh my god. They should uh, they should have released a lot of like breakfast oriented like Ulta. There should have been a secret layer to go with that. If there was if there was, I missed it obviously. I don't keep up with the secret layers, but a secret layer right. where it's just like Jace eating, you know, drinking coffee and, you know, I don't know, Gideon having a huge stack of pancakes. I guess that might be more Garouk. But you know, just like all the planeswalkers just enjoying their favorite, you know, IHOP thing. And you know what? Absolutely. I, that's the that's the kind Chandra of Chandra uh, and Nissa on a breakfast date. Ooh. Gideon's yeah. still dead, isn't he? Garrick's Who? still dead. No, a Gideon. Gideon's dead. Gideon is dead. Yeah. And so is Garrick. Garrick died? When did Garrick... He died during... In Eldraine. In Throne of Eldraine. Oh like my in goodness. 2019. Okay. He's he's dead. But Liliana can, can bring people back. So I feel mm -hmm. like that might happen. 
Is she still yeah. in Archavios? Uh, she went to Dominaria, still... right? When did no, I, think I she's oh, still in... twisted? I think she's still in Archavios. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't sure how that worked because I know didn't they they reprinted uh, Liliana Vess uh, Liliana the Veil in yeah D in Dominaria United yeah so mm -hmm. I wasn't sure if she had gone there to fight the Phyrexians or not but no she's kind of been hanging out like I feel like she's part of the next main story arc there's okay. just a few characters we suspiciously haven't heard from in a little bit. So they I'm wondering yeah. when Liliana's coming back to the main magic story. They have a real great track record of killing my favorite planeswalkers. So. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Who is that's... your favorite planeswalker? Uh, it was it was Dak, and then okay, and then uh, and also dead. Vencer. Um, Vencer's very dead. <laughs> yeah, uh, I did like Elspeth uh, more than when she got resurrected. Uh, yes. And. Uh, but I would say right now my favorite is Teferi. Um, okay. Just because he's an abusive blue planeswalker and uh, he's an abusive, abusive blue, blue planeswalker. <laughs> I think he's, he's a great, I think he's though. a noble. Like if, if there was a character in Magic the Gathering that I would put as the noble uh, on the noble side of X Secrets of Fortune, it would definitely be Teferi. Yeah, I mean Tef is amazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I would say like first and foremost, Big Daddy planeswalker Urza would be oh, like yeah. you know. I'm, I was a big I was a big proponent of get rid you know get rid of all these uh, you could have taken all five of the Lorwyn five gotten rid of them and just put Urza as the first planeswalker card mm -hmm. uh, but you know of course they were they were standing by that whole like Urza's too powerful to be a card but uh, well guess what guys she ended up making Urza anyway we got Urza like, yeah in spades <laughs> there's lots and, of yes. Urzas now <laughs> when it Urza rains, High course, Lord Artificer what a card mm -hmm. and what yeah. a deck. That is an yeah. amazing card. Have I you guys seen the alt art one of him, like with his weights, like Urza and his gains? Oh, so no. funny. I'll have to look at that. <laughs> yeah, it's um, great. And then uh, but my other favorite though is uh, Chandra. I think I have a I had a crush on Chandra, and like you know that kind of uh, fiery lady is the ones that usually draw me in and chew me up and spit mm -hmm. me out. So I'm I'm both used to it, and I like the cycle of abuse. You like the that. cycle of abuse? <laughs> There's a this lot of questions ongoing. I have now. <laughs> yeah. It's an ongoing theme on the podcast. Is uh, is trying to trying to encourage Joel to navigate his way towards healthier relationships. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. What about? I mean, do you know much about Commodore Guff? I do not know much about Commodore Guff. I the card is super cool. I love the Super Friends sub themes, but. Yeah, lore-wise, I don't know a ton about him. I what I mm -hmm. do know is he's pretty cool, though. I don't know it either. I was I was hoping maybe you could enlighten us with some lore. So maybe in the future we can have another discussion about that because I don't okay. know. Okay. Yeah. I'm Next curious time about that. I will get more into Commodore Guff lore and we will discuss the final. <laughs> okay. Well, that's I'm a big Ashiok fan. Oh, I love Ashiok. Yeah. Ashiok's the best. I think mostly because we know so little about them. We don't mm -hmm. know a thing about Ashiok besides Ashiok likes nightmares. And, oh, oh uh, yes, Ashiok. The mystery that. of it, I think, is what draws me to the character. That's my favorite kind of like black character uh, in Magic: The Gathering is like that, like nightmarish horror. You know, it's, it's mm -hmm. almost like that. You imagine that character casting terror. You know, the old school art version of it. You know, mm -hmm. with the impish 
corpse up in the corner. Oh, I would yeah. be remiss if I didn't mention Oko in the sentence. I also like oh, Oko a lot. we have to talk about Oko. <laughs> Is this, sorry, I mean, we have an Oko in X Seekers of Fortune. This is a Magic the Gathering Oko? Yes. Yeah, Oko okay. was the really busted throne of Eldraine Planeswalker that maybe oh. maybe was the most broken Planeswalker they've ever printed. I don't oh. know. The one with the deer. Throne of Eldraine powers. Oko with the elk. Yeah. Yes. Nuts. That's insane. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like a card that like you would resolve in limited and people would just scoop on turn three kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's just a card you're not going to... No. I don't, Jill, I don't know if you've ever played against it, but it's not a fun experience. Uh, <laughs> I haven't Drew had the pleasure. Drew actually the built an Oathbreaker deck with Oko, and um, it was fun. It was silly. It was flavorful, but it was very mean, too, because <laughs> Simic is too good. Yeah. Usually, you know, in Magic the Gathering, especially in, like, L- uh, EDH, it's like you have that, like, you know, is your is, do you have a flavorful deck? Do you have an efficient deck? Do you have a, I mm-hmm. guess, powerful? I don't know what the last thing would be. But to get to hit all of those, like it's like it it has a flavor and a theme and it's fun, but it also destroys and can be a CDH deck. There's the four types of Magic the Gathering players. Most people mm-hmm. know about Jimmy players and Timmy players, but there's two more. There's Jimmy, who is the like spell slinger combo player. Timmy, who is always going to pick the biggest, stompiest creatures. You have the Vorthos player, who is always going to go for like the flavorful win. I uh-huh. think I'm somewhere in that profile uh-huh. and then there Jesus. is spike who plays to win who is like the competitive player who is always like top of the meta this is the most tuned deck i can make i think there's a fifth one called melvin have you heard of melvin melvin before? no who's melvin yeah, and probably the least talked about but apparently melvin's the one who just cares about like the novelty of mechanics and it's just oh. like yeah like every now and then mara will talk about about him or her but I, like oh, it's very, very i feel like uh, that's a sub that's a subcategory of wait which one is it uh john jimmy, jimmy right yeah like jimmy. you know yeah it feels like a subcategory of jimmy while uh vorthros feels like a subcategory of timmy am i you, you know what <laughs> i might be a melvin player because uh. i try to challenge myself every time there's a new set like to come out with a new deck based on new mechanics in a new set and yeah. like I chase that novelty, so I may be a Melvin player. Wow. Okay. I'm yeah, yeah it's, almost, it's almost like four throws for mechanics. It's you know, it's like a very okay. much the same coin, uh, two sides of the same coin. Um, but I wait, Danny. Did you have something? Because I did have a top. No, I didn't have. No, no, no. Please. Oh, I just cool. dropped in, in in the chat. Melvin uh, and Forthros. from two thousand seven. Mario's article on it, in case it's. 2007 wow oh. <laughs> wow man uh, morrow's okay. got some history like if you know that's the thing about like tiktok like you were saying like if you just start uh-huh. doing something and doing consistently all of a sudden it you're, you're going to have like some classics in there you know and by classics uh-huh. i mean wow i'm sorry uh my downstairs neighbor are having a very big argument and it's definitely invading my ear hole so i'm getting a little oh distracted oh my god i'm hearing yeah, it too i hear it too that's y'all can crazy. hear it that's horrible oh yeah I'll... i can hear it you might want to step out and let them know that our audience can hear their, <laughs> their argument here i'm going to turn down the volume on my mic. well that's like might be silly yeah i um my apartment complex is like i think it's cursed uh i've i've been recently being hit with a lot of back-to-back uh, issues, whether it be outside of my neighbors or inside with my roommates. So, 
let's just say that I am looking to get out of here or this place needs to be exercised or something like that. Um, but I wanted to go back to this idea because we, uh, we we really wanted you on the show, Emmy, to talk about lore, specifically oh. lore gaming. And one of the yes. things I find so fascinating with Magic the Gathering is it, there's like an old school element of it. I'm sure there's some place I could go to get mm -hmm. info dumped all the lore as wizards would want me to have it. But not many people do that. And the, so the people who do do it or the people who piece things together are almost in competition for, or maybe not even competition, but it's just like, it spreads a little bit, like not necessarily like wildfire, but it does spread out like uh, a game of telephone with magic lore, I find. So it's like, mm -hmm. there's like a lot of inconsistencies. You'll know things like maybe and that's why Planeswalkers dying is like something that we can all agree upon. Cause that's like, you know, there's a de de definitive end for those characters. Uh, but mm -hmm. a lot of the nuances, like Jace being the guild pack, or whatever, the living guild pack, uh, and being like the, the I don't know, the leader or the president or whatever of uh, Ravnica is something that, you know, you just sort of hear, you, you might hear about it like years after it happens and be like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, I didn't know that. Especially if you like are in and out of magic and miss a few sets. So I don't know, what is your experience like as somebody who's trying to keep up with lore? How do you how do you go about that? How do you like to dis to get the lore out there and how important is magic lore to you? Okay, so mm -hmm. I think Magic the Gathering is one of those games where you play with the cards and then later you're like, huh, that's a fun little backstory about like, why is this man holding this dinosaur and this Aquaria card? And I think you learn sort of like through the game, you're learning the lore. And, um, like, for example, with Ravnica, right, you'd see very clearly that there's 10 guilds in a city full of guilds because you look at the pictures on the card. Um, Magic used to have novels, and they used to be much more kind of like you could buy them in the game store. Now you can go online to, like, if you just type in Magic Story on Wizards website, you can read little installations every day as they're coming out with the lore. Like right now, The Murders at Karlov Manor, which is the set that's coming out in February, um, you're able to look at those stories. But I do think that Magic is one of those games that at this point is now kind of like de-emphasizing the lore and kind of more focusing on just the general broad strokes flavors and kind of vague world building of it. However, um, with the, uh, the cycle that started with Dominaria United and ended with March of the Machine Aftermath, there was a lot of really rich storytelling and there was a lot of characters that ended up dying in the conflict in New Phyrexia. You know, now Elish Norn is dead. There's a bunch of planeswalkers that have been de-sparked and things like that. And that actually, like I, for probably the last 10 years of magic, just did not care about the lore. But as soon as I was like, oh my God, Elspeth is activating the Silex in the Blind Eternities. Ren's hooked herself up to the Realm Breaker. Um, that culmination of so many storylines got me to care again. The other thing that Magic has done in the last 10 years is instead of telling a story in three parts, like there used to be these three-part blocks, right? Like uh, cons, right? There was cons of Tarkir, 
there was the middle one and then there was dragons of Tarkir. So there was like a act one, act two, act three. Um, in the last several years, they have gone from like three, uh, three sets in one world to like two sets in one world. To then we had these one-offs. Like we went to Kaldheim, we went to New Capenna, we went to Strixhaven, we went back to Kamigawa for some reason. And that kind of turned me off from the lore. But then when I realized this is all part of like this greater arc, like we need the Halo, we need the Realm Breaker, we need these elements from these stories to bring it all back together. That's when they got me to start caring about the lore again. But again, I think it's like game pieces first, lore second. But uh, the, from what you've told me about X lore, like I'm really interested and I, I'm like so invested in it now. And I think the world building is really cool. And that's how I like to get into the lore is like I want to learn more about the world. And then I want to focus in on the individual characters. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I I think that makes a lot of sense for game uh, game lore building. And I don't want to get too deep into X Secrets of Fortune, what we've done there. But I, I'm more I more a little bit more character first, and then mm -hmm. you know we're kind of building out the world around the characters. But I do agree those, you know, you kind of need both, you know, the character interacting with the world is the friction uh, that creates the story. Because mm -hmm. yeah. those characters are the sum of their experiences. Mm -hmm. And so the way the world is shapes the characters and shapes their relationship. So at least for me, because I'm one of those big picture first people, that's where I like to start with my lore. Um, and mm -hmm. I think... There's a lot of other like Warhammer lore creators that follow certain characters and specific events. But for me, I'm like top down, like what is the world? What is the circumstances in the world? And why are the factions the way that they are? And mm -hmm. I think that there are certain people who resonate with gaming lore in that way. And that's maybe why they, they find my videos to be entertaining. Yeah, maybe that's why it appeals. What what is the biggest difference between magic lore and forty k lore? Whew. So magic lore, right? Every single little plane of existence um, is well. Now they're all connected by these things called omen paths. But before it was like self-contained stories on each world. Yeah. Whereas with Warhammer forty k, everything takes place in the same galaxy at the same time. There's this warp that allows them to travel, you know, through time and space. Um, but everyone and every faction interacts with each other in the same plane. And anyone can travel to anywhere. Um, and also, it is so grimdark. Like, that's the word that they always use to mm -hmm. describe the 40k setting. Is it Isn't... so dark and it's so grim and it's like really violent and horrible and awful. Isn't that basically the official Warhammer 40k subreddit is r slash grimdark? Yes, that mm -hmm. is the official Warhammer 40k lore subreddit is the grimdark. Because I can there see is. see how it uh, would be so attractive to edgelords. It's super. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into it. I made a flow chart. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, yeah. We're, we're getting yeah. there. We're going to get there, but yes, um, the, like the main sort of like subtitle for Warhammer 40k is 
in the grim darkness of the 41st millennium, there is only war. So it's not like you pick good guys or bad guys. It's what flavor and in what way do you want to be awful? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I like it's that. really fun. Yeah, you know, I, mm-hmm. I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, maybe just to lay some groundwork. You, you did a lot of uh, compelling groundwork laying, but is there... Uh, a quick summary of the overview of the lore of 40k uh and what most compels you about it that you can just sort of like lay the groundwork so we can you know go off of that okay so there is the warp which is like this realm of chaos and the way that i see the main kind of tenets of it is the warp allows incredible things incredible psychic awakenings in certain characters but it also can like horribly disfigure you so it's like Mm -hmm. what do you do with limitless power Mm. and i would say that's the most like compelling part of the lore to me is like what do you do if there are no limits um do you try to improve the future for all of you know the furtherment of your species or do you try to conquer and enslave people mm. and uh yeah it's just it's a really interesting look at like what morality is and what you would do if you were truly like a being without limits interesting i mean that's that's usually like especially when it comes to fantasy um fantasy storytelling that is often mm-hmm. you know oh, sorry is somebody talking on another line yeah sorry my oh. mom's talking in the background <laughs> oh, anyway okay well just to rewind there the idea of like you know you usually want to have that ultimate power uh, to, to anchor i don't want to say an allegory but to anchor sort of like mm-hmm. uh, the moral question of your fantasy series and uh, here's a mm-hmm. good question you know like a lot of people will argue you know uh, star wars is more space fantasy than it is science fiction mm-hmm. i'm a huge believer in that it's not a fan it's not a science fiction like oh the, the, the i drew and are... i were just talking about this yesterday mm-hmm. it's just it's a space opera it's not there isn't really like science elements it's all just mm-hmm. storytelling in a space setting yeah and warhammer mm-hmm. 40k truly is science fiction oh it is okay that was going to be mm-hmm. my question yeah there is hard there's sci-fi all sorts there. of hard sci-fi there's this power armor that most of the humans have in order to like combat in space they all have genetic enhancements there's crazy technologies that they have access to in the forms of like arms dealing and stuff like that so there is specific hard science in mm-hmm. the warhammer 40k universe mm-hmm yeah, that's interesting. Like, how much hand waving has to happen is a big question. Like, you know, it's like if you get under the hood, does it all add up? Or if you get under the hood, does it kind of is it just sort of like put together with duct tape? So more hammers. They a little use bit closer. that warp so yeah. much. Like, mm-hmm. oh, the powers of chaos are drawn from the warp, and that can be very nebulous. But for those characters, like the you know as we call them the like the space fascists that they're the hard science is there and the genomic implements are there and mm-hmm. it's also all the lore and the way that the other factions are described it's through that unreliable narrator lens of our good guy imperium space nazis mm-hmm. so a lot of what the technology that the aliens have is very like 
we don't know. These are filthy Xeno scum. Mm-hmm. And um, and so it is that unreliable, also third-person narrator that makes it uh, really interesting. That mm-hmm. is, I know there's, a, I mean, I remember if it's been going on as long as it has, I remember people yeah. in school reading 40K books that were like this thick. And if they have continued oh, to yeah. produce those, I mean, the idea of like how much story is out there for Warhammer 40K specifically, it could probably fill a library at this point if they've been going at a Yes, rate. there is a literal, like, it's called the Black Library, and it's sort of like the library of all knowledge, <laughs> and that's what they call their books, is like the Warhammer 40K Black Library, and it is vast. Wow. I certainly haven't read every one of them. We're like uh, some we're like some sort of like uh, what is it like council away from them like canonizing an official religion out of it almost. Mm-hmm. Should, should we talk about uh, guess what ne- neckbeard? Oh yeah, absolutely. Kind of leads into that. That's a no. That's a series that you do on your TikTok where you mm-hmm. guess what neckbeard. The 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 question being there is no good faction or good guys in Warhammer. That's your argument. Yes. Um, In the 1980s, some people in Nottingham, England, made their silly little game company. And you can really tell if you get into the early parts of the 40k lore, like these are basement dwelling edgelords that (laughs) wanted to have the edgiest, um, just the most edgiest lore possible. So Mm. the factions, you know, there's just so much like body horror and Mm. just horrible things that happen to these characters. But the other tenant about it is it's this socio-political commentary. If you think about like Reaganomics, Thatcherism, mm-hmm. and the way that kind of like organized religion is um, a fascist way of kind of conquering civilization. So that like that kind of missionary colonization efforts, the Thatcherism and the Reaganomics, it in the like in the purest form in the earliest forms of the warhammer lore it is a biting satire criticizing the anglican church criticizing margaret thatcher but uh-huh. in the which was modern cool at the time. <laughs> context very cool at the time incredibly yes. cool at the time mm-hmm. but now in the modern interpretation of it you know now that we're in the age of like the warhammer video games and the warhammer lore it's really it's less satirical and it's far more literal and these neckbeards you know these later fans the modern fans of warhammer really do take that kind of like let's purge the xenos and the chaos and the heretics super literally and so um and they don't really understand and they lack a lot of like media Mm -hmm. literacy to understand that this is like a veiled criticism Mm mm-hmm of fascist organized religion of Reaganomics and Thatcherism. And Mm -hmm. so by doing this, guess what neckbeard thing, I'm trying to kind of like, guys, let's have an ounce of media literacy. Let's examine this fiction that's talking about, you know, purging the heretics and purging the galaxy of Xenos. And let's examine it under a little bit more of a critical lens. And let's not forget where this media came from, which was basement-dwelling British edgelords in the 1980s making goofy aliens to prove a point about humanity. 
probably yeah probably reading a lot of Alan Moore and hoping that to step in his footsteps because like a lot of his exactly a lot of his works at the time were also criticizing the exact same thing especially Thatcherism which we thought mm -hmm. we had a bad here with Reagan but Thatcherism was uh you know if you were against yeah. those kind of politics it was acidic at least uh, Ronald yes. Reagan had a, a, a like a little bit of sugar to go down with his uh mm -hmm. bitter pills um Anyways, I, there was something that I got caught up on. Oh, yeah, it's very much like like going back to Star Wars. It's like the people who joined was it the the I, I want to say the four hundred five no the five hundred one the five hundred and first the people who like get stormtrooper armor and will march oh, in yeah. parades in formation. Mm -hmm. It's just like guys, those were the space Nazis that you're, yeah. you're walking in the footsteps of. It's like you identified most with them, which you know, mm -hmm. uh, hey, teach their own. But I mean. As long as you're, I guess, in on the joke, and that's like what media criticism, media literacy, which is very mm -hmm. important and under taught and, you know, under taught at this day and age, um, as long as you're in on the joke and you're playing the heel, I think is the important part. It's like every good story needs to have bad guys. And, you know, I would lovely would love to step into the role of the bad guy knowing that I'm doing it. I don't want to say ironically, but knowing I'm doing it, you know, with intention and to to kind of be somebody's to be somebody's huckleberry, if you will. It's like every good guy needs mm -hmm. the bad guy. But it's another thing if you're like, no, no, I really do want to eradicate all those aliens because they're scum, and you know, and, uh, long live the imperial order or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, you th long think live you're the playing Emperor. the good guys. <laughs> yeah, and they yeah. are the good guys, but they're uh, honestly, the more you read about them, you're like, oh, these are the most evil. Because mm -hmm. there's, oh. you know, special divisions of them that are like these inquisitors and these kind of like psychic special ops forces that like come in and just take out a whole planet and, um, you know, kind of do it. And like one of the big key tenets and things that you read about, especially as you read about the parts of the Warhammer 40k lore known as the heresy, is you realize that the emperor of mankind is like the emperor and he says specifically like do not follow me as a god but then people are like but what if we want to follow you as a god can we have you as a god as a treat and he's like guys i'm super uncomfortable with that and they're like no that's heresy you are a god and it just kind of goes from there and and you can really see like how it becomes this fanatical devotion to this person who kind of his own followers make him a god and it becomes this like game of cosmic telephone and that's just super interesting mm -hmm. yeah it, 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 you often find that you have the unintended followers of of a movement perverting it and subverting mm -hmm. the underlying messages and turning it into something that the people who are, are, are starting a movement never intended for it to become. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and so that's an excellent commentary on, on the ways in which, um, you know, seemingly innocuous things can be spun out into uh, terrible, terrible things. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people want to follow a path and they want to assure themselves that that path is the only path to go down. And everybody who isn't going down that path is a heretic or something to that effect. So, yeah, great yep. commentary from these neckbeards in, what did you say, Nottingham? <laughs> Nottingham, England, yes. Nottingham, um, England. So. 
Exactly. Like if you take the faction, the Black Templars, right? They they came. Mm-hmm. It's it's that story of like brothers against brothers. You know, I don't mm-hmm. believe that this man is a god. I do. Well, if you mm-hmm. don't, you're a heretic. And so it's these relationships of like mentors with the student that turns against them or brothers turning against brothers all over the deification of their emperor. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just the history of humanity. In a lot of <laughs> yeah, ways. in so a lot of ways it is. A lot of a lot of good lore, like a, a lot of good lessons that can be taken from this lore. So... Mm-hmm. On on the Warhammer front, do we need to do we want to touch on anything else? Because I do want to get to she she EDH before we we run out of time. Yeah, we I know I do I I need to remember you actually have a hard out. Um, I think the one question I have is because there's Warhammer lore, there's Warhammer mm-hmm. arts and crafts, and then there's actually playing Warhammer. Do you mm-hmm. play Warhammer 40k? And uh, you know, if so, uh, do you play the full game, or, or have you played Kill Team, which I hear is a much mm-hmm. easier? And I've actually played Kill Team once with my brother. It's a much easier way of getting into the game. Uh, any thoughts on that? Yes, I think I've played both. Um, I don't have a regular play group right now, um, mm-hmm. but I have played both. And in my experience, it's what type of player are you? Are you that big picture player? who wants the world building, or do you want to get really invested in your specific named characters? And also, do you have six hours to spend on one game? You know, So yeah. Kill Team is much more accessible, especially if you're the type of person who likes to create their own kind of like homebrew characters. Mm-hmm. If you want, you know, Jeff the bloodthirsty and, you know, Cletus the sword wielding and and you you're invested in like specific characters and you like to create lore around those specific characters i love kill team for that it's a little bit simpler it's a lot quicker um but man it is a huge and it is a vast hobby and it is expensive hobby too and um yeah warhammer 40k is not for the weak it's like if you want to get into the huge tabletop army building part of it it is like a full send like you've got to be all in um kill team is what i would recommend if you're not exposed to this and you're like i don't know if this is the right choice for me um you see a lot of people get those little plastic guys out of the box and they realize like i'm not good at this i'm not very artistic so start with kill team because you can just get one box of five guys and uh and get going and make that decision then before you spend two thousand dollars on molded plastic yeah spend like 60 and then and then decide it's like a pre-constructed deck versus like a competitive legacy deck or something like oh, that. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's the other thing too is with magic, there's so much more like it's so much more mechanically specific, but Warhammer it's like here's the lore of my guys and because of these special powers that they have, this is why they do the mechanics that they do. So it's a little bit like lore first, army second. Um, I think some competitive Warhammer players would disagree with me there, but um, it's it's a lot more like, what do you like the look of? Mm-hmm. And um, instead of like, what's your play style? I would say mm-hmm. start with what aesthetically, like, do you want 
red guys with chainsaws or do you want purple aliens with space blasters and then kind of go from there nice cool well that, yeah that's a great i mean i would highly recommend trying out kill team i did it with my brother yes. and i think we got two or three games in in like under an hour and a half so mm-hmm. it's definitely a way less investment of time and money um so danny yeah you wanted to ask about like the uh Corbicon, or emmy's uh edh background and her uh coming up would you call it a social club she edh yeah i guess it's sort of an association of uh ladies that play commander who all is uh in the group currently let's see if you know magic new girl magic highness mtg angel and queen honey as well as cookie mama um those are the six ladies that comprise she edh it and just you... kind of started as a group chat and we've we're, we have big plans. I love it. I love it. Um, how often do you guys play? We try to get a dedicated stream of us at least once a month, but I'm sure um, as things ramp up, we're hoping to do it more frequently. That's amazing. And, and we always have a theme and we always have a challenge. So it's not just bring a deck. It's we have parameters and we have creative deck building challenges nice uh and how competitive is it um we have those power level discussions but (laughs) i would say not super competitive um what we're trying to do is just try to encourage more women to play and one of our streams we try to do kind of more like intro streams we try to keep things a little simple but fully explain what we are doing and why at every step I don't think if you're trying to get into magic, you want to see the most advanced gameplay right off the bat. Mm -mm. Um, For example, one of our streams, we all picked one color in magic and one um, mechanic and then just built a simple deck around that. Like mono green trample, mono Mm -hmm. white lifelink, mono Mm -hmm. black sacrifice, etc. Awesome. Mm -hmm. What other other themes have you guys uh, experimented with? Oh, we did a fun, um, we did a Halloween one. So we did like demons, devils, tieflings for one, um, just kind of like Halloween theme decks. We did a Christmas theme one. I did an uh, Isu the Abominable. He's an abominable snowman. So we did some snow theme decks. Next month, our challenge is we all are going to do one commander and then we're going to build it several different ways. So mm-hmm. same, we're all playing the same commander in the pod, but oh, we're cool. all constructing the deck differently. That's very cool. I mm-hmm. like that. If hey, you know you... who Anna Fenza is, that mm-hmm. Abzan um, commander. The uh, Oh, the Abzan one, not the mono white one. Not mono white, the Abzan mm-hmm. one. Okay. So there's many ways to do it. <laughs> I have ideas. But, you know, you can make it more stacks. You can make it more creature focused. You mm-hmm. can make it more combo focused you could totally do like a reanimator deck there's so many ways to build um abzan and offensa so we're challenging ourselves to come up with four different variations on one commander that's a great idea um very easy to you know start watching that stream because all you have to learn is the one commander you know mm -hmm. it's easy to refer back to her over and over again that could be sometimes i've watched uh what is it called spell slingers 
or something like that. Mm-hmm. I forget, you know, like the command zone. And like some of the hard parts with that show can be like, oh, I have to keep track of four different commanders to remember like what each of these decks are kind of built around. So that's a good way of right. getting people started. Exactly. One, one thing we like to do on the show is, is promote other, um, you know, TikTok creators and, and things. Mm-hmm. Would you be willing to just kind of go through and tell us a little bit about each of the different uh, members and why someone might um, want to follow MTG Angel, for instance, or Magical Highness? Sure. Just give like a quick plug for each person here. Absolutely. Magic Highness is kind of a... Uh, stoner mom lifestyle content creator turned magic the gathering creator so she's got really interesting takes on it and you know it's always interesting to watch somebody like that she is the highness so she has you know the most foils and just kind of (laughs) she's very fancy and (laughs) just very entertaining watch we've got queen honey games who is a educator turned lgs employee so Mm -hmm. it's just interesting to have her come on from that perspective of an lgs employee also she is just on so many more platforms than i am like youtube and things like that um so just a lot of breadth of content there from her um mtg angel is an angel expert you know if you ever um somebody who's just so specifically focused on mono white and angels and can play that better than anybody else and magic new girl um super cool creator she is like from small town rural alabama and just learning to play magic so it's just a very interesting thing for me because you know i've been playing since time spiral block (laughs) sometimes it's just really interesting to hear like what a new player in this day and age in the year of our Lord, 2023 <laughs> is experiencing Yeah. and cookie Mama's super cool. She's just kind of started her magic journey, um, but is fully getting into it. The commitment is there, the motivation to succeed. Plus she bakes. So, you know, if you want that alternative content and see what somebody else is doing, that kind of like B content, the cookie content is really compelling stuff. So all five of those ladies are awesome. And we're just a very supportive group of people who is there to play magic. Cause sometimes the stereotype is like you play magic for the boys, for the male attention. We are playing magic to play magic and we're here to defy stereotypes and at the end of the day, it's it's about the supportive group of girls that you got by your side. So Love check it. out those ladies. A hundred percent. I follow mm-hmm. most of them. Uh, I need to I need I think I need to follow um, a couple of them still. But cool. uh, they're all great content creators and mm-hmm. uh, very, very uh, entertaining content. And uh, I think everyone out there who isn't following them should definitely give them a Absolutely. follow. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Um, go ahead, Joel. Oh, uh, no, I was just going to say that I think that it's, you know, wonderful to build those, those like, you know, coalitions, those found, you know, the building those bonds in order to, you know, spread messages. I think that that, that's really Mm -hmm. awesome that you've gone down that path. Uh, I do know that we're kind of coming up on our time limit and our our hard outs and, uh, Dan, and we want to get to your flow chart to find out which 40 K 
faction do we, Danny and I belong to? This will probably tell our audience a lot about us, but I was thinking the last question I, w I really wanted to hit before we moved on to that something random was, um, you. I've seen on your TikTok that you both do obviously 40K model painting or figure painting, and you mm -hmm. do uh, magic card alts, which it seems like, uh, you know, you turn some a basic swamp into a snow covered swamp, which I thought was a really mm -hmm. genius idea. So I was just curious how much overlap is there with the arts and crafts that you, you know, the tools that you would use between 40, 40K and Magic the Gathering to make those uh, customizations? Honestly, it's, it's a good amount of techniques. I found that it's really hard to work with white paint. It looks really streaky. So that same technique where you're layering a series of darker colors and then adding white in detail on top, um, the way that I work, especially with those pride flag minis that I created, um, mm -hmm. working with like whites, pinks, and yellows, um, has made it so much easier for me to create good looking snow on my snowlands. So, <laughs> and same brushes, uh, those hobby brushes that I use, the Artify mm -hmm. ones, I love them. So I can use them for both. And I think that's great. Excellent. Yeah. What? That's the big one is like the brushes and the paints are pretty much the same. Yes. I use army painter paints for everything. Mm. Army painter. If you're listening, um, Thank you. We'll talk, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> they should yeah. reach out for sure. <laughs> yeah. They should. Army Painter. They really need to. Come on. Army Painter, you're great. I love mm -hmm. you guys' stuff. It's pretty much all I use. That is <laughs> the Army Painter. So so uh, before we, we move to the, the flow chart, can we talk to Kyle? Is that a thing? Uh, yeah, guys, Kyle's here. What's up? Well, Kyle, I hear that you're an entrepreneur of some sort. Yeah, Kyle's Customs. It's like taking off. I have uh, two dedicated customers. I create custom deck boxes, custom sleeves. Um, I've started converting Target bags into dice bags. It's like creative upcycling, man. Are these you know, like it's just better to save them from the landfill. Are these like uh, canvas bags or are they like the plastic They're bags? They're like plastic bags, but it's like several plastic bags together for the durability. Uh, <laughs> try to work on, uh, you know, the noise level with them. It's like uh, pulling dice out of a bag of sun chips, but uh, <laughs> the look is there. The aesthetic is there. The desire to preserve the earth is there because, you know, I've done a lot of court-ordered community service and <laughs> most of it's involved picking up plastic bags. Yeah. Why target bags? Oh, uh, that's what I find on the side of the road. I've had to go to court-ordered community service at least once a month for the last several weeks. Um, my Tony Hawk pro skater LARPing is uh, upsetting to the general public, and the last time I was arrested was doing an Ollie Melon off the roof of Walmart. So, uh, yeah, picking up those bags is what really inspired me to create Kyle's Customs. Kyle, do you know who Emmy is? Uh, yeah, she's that girl at my game store. She's like objectively a six but maybe a nine in an lgs if you think about it uh, yeah that, okay. that, i mean yeah i guess it is all relative kyle now i i'm just curious uh, kyle are you do you have any um do you have your rent ready for your mother 
Oh, gosh. Uh, no, actually, I don't believe that I cost her any money with my food, room, and board. And actually, I've been stealing her credit card lately because I don't think proxies should be allowed in um, even casual magic play. Like, what are you doing? Um, she's recently gotten a new credit card, which I have stolen so that I can have a playset of all of the beta duels. This oh is uh, such a, it's like you're essentially doing the ethical version of robbing Peter to pay Paul. It's like to have an ethical stance on proxies, you have to do the unethical <laughs> thing of stealing from your mother. But I'm sure I she owes you for something, right, Kyle? <laughs> yes, I believe that no proxy should ever be allowed in casual play. Almost as passionate as I am about the earth and upcycling target bags into dice bags. Kyle's Customs. Check it out. Well, Kyle, I, I feel like we, we may have platformed you for a little too long. <laughs> and... No, everyone should deplatform Kyle. I think that's the end goal. Yeah. Yeah, if you got a Kyle in your life, you know, reconsider your life choices. Try to try to see if you can. If you are Kyle, out. if you if don't you know a Kyle, you are Kyle. <laughs> and you have to start thinking closer about your values. Yeah. Kind of a, yeah. It reminds me of when I was playing uh, Magic more frequently at an LGS. There was a guy whose name was literally Chad, and it was like you could put him under the de dictionary definition of a Chad. Uh, I, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Uh, my least singles out of the back, basically. Go ahead. Oh, uh, I don't rem I don't really remember this guy's name, but my least favorite person that I ever encountered at LGS, it's just like the, the type of person who just assumes that like they're the best player in the store, no matter what. And they're mm -hmm. like super impatient and complain about everything. Like anything that happens, like they're, they're complaining. Like if you take like two seconds to think about something, they're like visibly annoyed and like, oh, you know, pouting the their fist. Oh my God. So aggressive. Yeah. So aggressive. And that's what Kyle is, is like an amalgamation of everybody's horror stories. <laughs> yeah. Who does Kyle run as a commander? <laughs> Who does Kyle run as a commander? Kyle believes that commander should be dedicated casual play. Therefore, he only plays mono green. And if you play interaction at one of his tables, he's just going to flip it. He's, <laughs> he's going to come after you. Zero he interaction. Yeah, Demonic Tutor just stresses him out, activates his IBS a little too much. <laughs> um, but counter spells, tutor spells, none of this is allowed. So it's all mono mm -hmm. green all the time. Uh, it remi um, that reminds me of there was claw. like, yeah, there was like a, uh, you know, it's like you see this sort of thing on our Magic the Gathering or whatever every now and then. Somebody mm -hmm. who like puts up a sign that's like, I want to start my own league and here's the rules. And it's like, it's an EDH league, but no CDH, you know, none of this, no tutors, yep. no counter spells. And it's just like, you know, that kind of person who's like, no, I think I know the best way of playing magic. It should be played in the way that gives me the best chance of winning. You know, just like the kid who's like, you know, on the playground, like, uh, -uh I have infinity shields. You can't hit me because I have infinity shields. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. The rules of magic, the gathering are unfortunately not whatever you want it to be. Um, and yeah, <laughs> one of my most successful mm -hmm. videos with Kyle is um, the one where Kyle is like heavily trying to enforce his own custom band list, which oh, people just really, uh, it's the one pinned on my profile, I believe. Okay. Maybe. Oh, oh, I'll I don't check know. it out. But yeah, it is I, my I most successful being, Kyle video ever. Yeah. I remember there being a Kyle mm -hmm. video pinned. I forgot what it was about. 
Uh, oh, that's the one where Kyle tries CEDH and then starts uh, gatekeeping everybody else. That's a good one, too. It's great. Yeah. It's all in the playlist. Oh, yeah. Kyle's Kyle's definitely our standing guard at gates. Um, yes. Uh, well, we do want to go. Oh, do you have one more question, Danny? Because we should probably be getting to the end. Yeah, my last question would just be, what, 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 do, we, what do we need to do to keep Kyle away from Ex-Seekers of Fortune? <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, as long as you're an inclusive community um, that's accessible and is here to teach people how to play, Kyle will be staying away. Oh, um, okay. Perfect. Yeah, Kyle is basement-dwelling edgelords only. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, every community, if you grow a community large enough, Kyle's find their way in. But, you know, it's just, oh, they making, sure, yeah, just making sure that they don't overtake the community. And, you know, they are constantly put in their place with a regiment of bullying and fact checking. Yes. <laughs> bullying and fact checking will keep Kyle out of any gaming community. You know, we need some girl bosses in the X Seekers of Fortune gaming community in order to keep the Kyles at bay. So, girl bosses, absolutely. Feel free to, we're, we're taking applications. Yes, right. if you are a girl boss, link in the bio. Let's go. <laughs> Let's do it. Excellent. Breaking news, Fortune Seekers. X Seekers of Fortune now has its pre-launch page live on Kickstarter. Click the link in the description below so you can be one of the first people to support X Seekers of Fortune. Also, there's probably going to be some bonuses if you support within the first 24 hours. So be on the lookout for those announcements coming soon. Thank you so much, Fortune Seekers. Please support the game, support the show by liking this episode and subscribing to our podcast. And you know what? Support each other. Back to the show. Well, with that, let's go ahead and switch over to getting to the last leg of the show. Now, first and foremost, I want to remind everybody, please, if you've enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe to our channel here at Megamoth Studios. We, uh, we would love to deliver our podcast hot and fresh for you. So subscribe and ring that bell. And if you're not a YouTube user, please feel free to uh, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We are on all the audio only platforms as well. Um, and with that, let's go ahead and go into something random. Emmy, you have a very special something random prepared for us. I Why don't you do. go ahead and wa walk us through it? All right. Uh, Danny. Okay. Do you choose lawful evil good guys, edgelords, or aliens? Uh, aliens. Okay. Do you like heavy metal? No. No. Do you enjoy reading about politics and or organized religion? Yes. Okay. And you said, you said aliens, right? Yes. Okay. For you, you get the Tau Empire. They Tau are Empire. Mm -hmm. the, they are the blue people alien space communists. Okay. Um, <laughs> they arguably Commander Farsight may be the one good guy. <laughs> big asterisk in all of Warhammer 40k but the Tau Empire they are blue they have cool mech suits kind of like Gundams and they are communists they're all for the greater good of their people and <laughs> that is who I recommend you learn about as your 40k okay. faction all right wow. I'm, that's I'm actually I've, I mean just the fact that you said they're blue sounds like it's right up Danny's alley yes. yeah they're like they're like the Avatar people, but with mech suits and co they're communists. I'm in for it. I'm checking them out right now. Okay. 
Well, let me see if I All can. Right. I'll get ready to search up mine. I'm just All questioning right. who do I an who do I answer this one as? Which version of Joel? But I'm going to go ahead and you know. Walk Is in. it Edge Lord, Joel? Probably. Probably will be. Okay. <laughs> All right. Edgelord Joel is choosing Edgelords. <laughs> All right, same question. Do you like heavy metal? Do I like heavy metal? Edgelord Joel. Do you loves, like heavy metal? Uh, Edgelord Joel. Edgelord Joel loves some subgenres sub of heavy metal. So I think overall I'll say yes. Do you like power metal? No. Or are you more of a like a deathcore metalcore guy? I'd probably. Uh, ooh, that's actually a good question. I, I need to remind... Can you remind me of the difference? <laughs> uh, do you like the pig squeals in your metal? No, I do not. Okay. Uh, how do you feel about, like, symphonic metal? Love it. Love symphonic metal. Yes. Okay. As an edgelord who loves symphonic metal, the your government-assigned 40k faction is going to be the Night Lords and Conrad Curse. <laughs> Is that night um, as in the uh, knights in shining like armor? Like nighttime, nighttime. The night lords. The night lords. Yes, oh, yeah. okay. with Conrad Kurz. Um, he is like the Batman of 40k. Oh yeah. He's super edgy. He loves the nighttime, and his guys are just the edgiest of edge lords. So if you're a big like symphonic metal guy, uh, they are the bad guys of chaos um, and just the edgiest edge lords of all time. They look so awesome. much edge you can cut yourself. Oh yeah, on that armor. Is what is a you see that armor? What is a primark? Uh, they are like the uh, in Star Wars terms because I know we have a hard stop. They are the Boba Fett. Uh, okay. Or uh, is it Django Fett that, Django that all Fett. the storm Django Fett? Thank you. They are the Django Fett, so they're like the commander of their legion, but they are also the uh, genetic material that which every everyone in their little army is an exact clone of as well. Ah, okay. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And there are supposed to be twenty of them. Two of them are missing. I think mostly as a device so you can create your own homebrew lore. Like, oh, oh. my chapter of Space Marines are based off of this missing Primark. Um, and so there's nine good ones. Again, in huge quotation Listen marks. Listen up, Neckbeard. <laughs> yes. And then there's nine, like, edgelord ones. But my, the my chaos kind of ones. Mm -hmm. And are these all, like, human based edgelord? Uh, not edgelords, Primarchs. <laughs> I guess they're they're human in some ways but they've had so much genetic enhancements some of them are what are called perpetuals so they are immortal um these are heavily uh roided up they're like captain america after he gets you know or bucky after he gets bucky eyes uh -huh. um these are super duper humans who do you oh. play as uh the necrons the, the necrons. undead alien robot skeletons with some vaguely ancient egypt themes nice we should probably ask what is your magic color but i'm assuming it's black right now oh yeah oh yeah, yeah okay. i've always <laughs> been like a mono uh i play a lot of demir as well like blue black uh -huh. is where i like to be um okay. but i i discovered the colors green and white over the last year 
Um, and I've been having a great time with my Selesnia token deck. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't feel edgy to say that, but I really like it. Yeah. A good well, token deck is favorites. always fun. <laughs> I enjoy going. I enjoy going wide. It's uh, it's a uh, it's a good time. Okay. Yeah, I love it. Like that. There's that new guy that triples your tokens. There's parallel lives. There's doubling season. Like all of that in there. Just make all the tokens. Make them big, and just keep swinging. I love it. Mm. Yes, like the armies. <laughs> the armies of good will triumph over Demir. But exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It makes me feel soft to say that I'm like, oh yeah, green white tokens. <laughs> no, that, well, I guess I'm soft. Like at the end of the day, that uh, I'm not the edge lord I claim to be, because green green white is like right up my alley. That was a podcast, guys. Yeah, excellent. I think we could we could definitely go again. Like uh, there is like we scratched the surface on so many topics. Oh, we scratched the surface. Absolutely. Yeah. we will. So, just to remind our audience, now that they've gotten to the end of the episode and they got to know you a lot better, and now they're thinking, oh, I really should follow this Emmy character, where can they find you? Where do you want to be found? I am, at this moment, on TikTok. I am also on Instagram and Threads by Meta, which mm -hmm. is an Instagram property. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Still figuring <laughs> that one out. And yeah. I am also on YouTube. Okay. And I'm also on the X Seekers of Fortune Discord, which you can join. And we play X every Tuesday night. Yes. yes. What, time is, what time is that? Uh, 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern. Yes. 7 p.m. Mountain, 6 p.m. Pacific. Come hang out with us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. To, like, we can't wait till pe we have like a sea to shining sea uh, X Seekers of Fortune night where we start at like, you know, people from the West Coast start and or the East Coast start and then people from the West Coast end, you know, end it. So we'll oh, see about that. Manifest Destiny. It's coming. Yeah. The, X, the yeah. X Seekers of Fortune Manifest Destiny plan. I love that idea. I love uh, that. Yeah. And and all you girl bosses out there, we, we need you. Please come. We need you. Please. Yeah. We promise. I'm Help totally us keep the Kyles away. And really great. Yes. Excellent. Well, with that, I think we're going to... Uh, well, Danny, uh, is there anything else that you had that you wanted to get in before we go? I, I just wanted to contest that uh, you are not a genuine edgelord. You mentioned a couple minutes ago that you're not a genuine edgelord, and I just want to contest you that. You are an edgelord. A hundred percent. Put that on the record there. Yeah. Okay. Well, I got to I got to find the new frontier of edgelordism because uh, I, I, you know, the, the version of it that I've uh, associated with with the 2010s is just doesn't sit well with me. But maybe I can find, you know, maybe I could go like Tradcath and become an edgelord of like traditional Catholicism or something like that. that could oh, be my gosh. Alley. If you're a Tradcath edgelord, check out the Sisters of Battle. <laughs> and, or the Black I, Templars. The Black Templars and the Sisters of Battle. Those are like the ultimate Tradcath edgelord. Factions. Okay, well, I'll dive into that so I can become the edgelord that I'm destined to be. And with that, <laughs> this has been Emmy or Coral Pecan, aka, and this has been Danny, aka my co host, and I've been Joel reminding you that you must start somewhere. So why not here? Thanks for listening. Uh, what is the odds that we could get Kyle to replace Joel as the uh, host of the show? Whew. <sighs> Take him. Okay. Uh, requires a lot of beard mascara. <laughs> we should, I, I'm surprised you haven't just uh, gotten a, a fake beard to, to put on. God, 
if I do, I'll look like that scene in Monty Python when all the women go to the stoning, you know, oh, in, yeah. in Life of Brian. Oh, mm -hmm. yes, we're here for the stoning. You know, we know. <laughs> it looks ridiculous. More about neck mascara than you might think, or beard mascara. We've, 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 we've had to do a, a few beard mascara situations in our day. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really? Joel has an alter, alter ego or two. That's fantastic. Yeah, it'd be really fun to show the crew, you know, show everybody the some of the videos or some of the short films we made. Anyways, wait, yeah. I have to say this last thing before we go. Theme music by James Holden, produced and edited by William Wymore. James Holden wants me to say to the audience, go to the theaters and watch Godzilla Minus One. He has been inundating us all on Facebook with this message, so I'm going to go ahead and give it here. <laughs>